Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's sermon podcast. This week we hear from the Reverend Phil Brochard as he preaches from the lectionary, which was Mark chapter 10, 35 to 45. As always, you can find more sermons and information about All Souls at our website, which is allsoulsparish.org. Hope to see you around sometime. My friend Jose received one of the most startling phone calls of his life while he was seated uh, at the landing uh, of the stairs in his home. And it was actually not surprising at all that he was seated on the landing of the stairs in his home. This was last year, uh, shelter in place during COVID, and the landing of the stairs in his home was his uh, home office because around the corner in one direction was his daughter's school, and then around the corner in the other direction was his son's school, and down the stairs at the kitchen table was his wife's home office. You may remember this. So Jose was there uh, sitting on the landing, and he received a phone call from a Seattle number that he did not recognize. But he decided to answer it. And on the other end of the line was a consulting firm. Uh, They were doing some due diligence for their client who had heard of the nonprofit that Jose is the executive director of and wanted to give to it. Uh, Jose is the ED at the Mission Asset Fund, which began in 2008 in the Mission District in San Francisco. It began because uh, they saw a need in, in particularly the immigrant community who did not have a way to build credit because a lot of the loaning that was happening was happening uh, between members of the community. And it wasn't being recognized by any of the credit agencies. And so they began offering um, ways so that it could be recorded with the credit agencies and other financial instruments for folks there in the mission. And since then, it's grown and grown and grown. So it not just serves the mission district, but uh, many folks outside of it. And so the consulting firm had reached out and said, um, we need to do some more checking. So um, we think a donation will be coming, but you'll just have to wait a few days, which Jose did. And the next day, he wondered, and there was no phone call. And the next day, he waited, and there was no phone call. And he started um, wondering if this actually was a COVID hallucination. Right? Did this actually happen? Because there was no email to point to. There was no letter to hold on to. Uh, It got so bad that at one point he actually checked his phone log and said, yes, there had been a phone number from the Seattle area. This actually did happen. But he didn't feel like he could tell anybody about it because he didn't know if it was real. And so he waited. I find myself both stunned and inspired by the way that Jesus encounters his disciples this morning. 
a little bit of context that we didn't hear just before our passage this morning. Jesus has made another prediction of his capture, his torture, his death, and then he will rise again. Right? He's just shared this with his disciples. And what is the response of James and John? <laughs> right. They, they sidle up to him, and I imagine them saying, okay, so, so Jesus... Um, when you come into your glory, uh, we notice that you have a right hand and a left hand. That's two of them. There's two of us. This could work out very nicely. Could we sit at your right hand and your left hand? These um, positions in the ancient world of great power. Uh, one scholar has said that it seems that James and John have believed that this messianic coup will be successful. And like with every coup, after it happens, the people who have been involved in it now have positions of tremendous power and authority. And so that's what they want. And the response of the disciples is fury. And it's not clear to me, are they angry because James and John had the nerve to ask or because they asked first? <laughs> but they are so angry with James and John. And the part that I find myself over and over, every time I hear this, just so amazed by, is the response of Jesus is not to shame James and John, right? He says, okay, but you don't know what you're asking for. Are you ready to drink this cup? Are you ready to be baptized in this way? And they say, yeah, of course we're able, even though they have no real idea what's coming. But then he also doesn't pile on Right? Uh, I think there could be an instinct to pile on with the frustration and the anger of the disciples. But Jesus doesn't. He says to the disciples, You know the world that they are living in, that we all are living in, that we're bombarded with every moment of a world where power is used primarily over and against others. That's how you know you're important. That's how you know you're on top. By the way you use your power over and against someone else. So is it any wonder that when all this has come into its fullness, that this is what they would ask for? But... That's not the realm that we are going to be living in. In the realm of God, the person who wants to be great must be the servant of all. In the realm of God, power is known by what you are willing to give away. 
So my friend Jose did finally receive that phone call. And the consulting firm said they'd done their due diligence and their client was ready to give them a gift. Uh, their client happened to be Mackenzie Scott. And a few weeks later, Mackenzie Scott gave $45 million to the Mission Asset Fund. The bank transfer, he said, was like nothing he had ever seen. <laughs> $45 million entered their account. And when that happened, Jose broke down and cried. This was 10 times more than they receive in a normal year. And he just had this overwhelming feeling of what they could do, the kinds of people, the number of people that they could now serve and support because of this generosity. But I shared this story this morning not because of the amount, but because of the way that Mackenzie Scott gave it, which is without a grant agreement, without a memorandum of understanding, without any restriction whatsoever. All that she asked was that at the end of the year, there be an audit so that she could understand how that money served others. Now, for those of you who have lived in the nonprofit world, this is unheard of. People don't do that, especially when they have the wealth and means of someone like Mackenzie Scott. In the world of uh, nonprofits, often uh, people who have wealth use that wealth to chart the path of that organization that they're giving to. Right? And simply put, um, people who are rich often feel like they know better, that they have better information, or they're smarter. What Mackenzie Scott did was say, I trust that you know best how to serve the people that you're with. And she did this not only with the Mission Asset Fund, but she did this with scores of other organizations, historically black colleges and universities, food banks, and each and every time said, I trust you. I'm going to give my power, in this case economic power, to you because you know best how it will serve. That's something that I think we are to pay attention to. Right? The, the power of the dollar is very strong, and even in a place like Berkeley, where um, frankly the shows of wealth are not as upfront, not as ostentatious maybe as other places, and it's still real. <laughs> 
we are just as prone to control other people with our money. And then we hear this message from Jesus. He says that in this realm, you will know your power by your willingness to give it away. Over this next week, you and I will be considering how we give some of our power away. As we consider how we will pledge to this slice of the realm at All Souls Episcopal Parish. Hopefully we'll be right here, seated together, as we contemplate what we will pledge for next year. And what I want us to, uh, to hold on our hearts this week is that the spiritual discipline of generosity is witnessed by our willingness to give up control. And we have a witness to that here at All Souls. Her name is Ann Jordan. So for those who don't know, Ann Jordan was a beloved member of this congregation. She lived a, a simple and a modest life. And at the end of her life, she chose to give the vast majority of what she had to us, to this congregation. And she offered that gift with no restriction, no designation, because she trusted that this parish knew best how to serve. And so because of that gift, we've been able to take faithful risks and be responsive in the moment. So this week, consider the spiritual discipline of generosity and what you do with what you have. We have various ways and capacities in this congregation. Some of us have a lot. Some of us don't have as much. But one thing that we cannot avoid <laughs> is that we all participate in this system. What we can choose is how we will live in it. what we will do with the power that we have and how we choose to give it away.